Well, we're going to continue in our series out of the book of Acts, and Michael Hansen, not in character, is going to share with us today. <laughs> yeah, you wait, yeah. Yeah, let me turn my filter to uh, preaching. No, it doesn't seem to do any good either way, but, uh, but hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, like Danny was saying, uh, I'm going to continue the series we've been, uh, we just started in Acts, and, and it's called The Church in motion and today what I'm going to be looking at is, uh, is Acts chapter 2 or what's also known as the second chapter of Acts. Shout out to the member of the second chapter. Yeah, yeah. Whoop, whoop. Uh, but what we're going to see in this, in this chapter is there's a super significant event that occurs and it, it literally changes the history of the church, the history of, of the world. It's when the Holy Spirit, when God sends his spirit, you know, down on his people at Pentecost where God literally comes in spirit form to uh, all of God to come and dwell in the hearts of his followers. And, and if you go to a Christian bookstore, uh, you'll see that there have been books and books and books written on just this chapter, the second chapter of Acts. And so there's a lot of different themes, a lot of, uh, there's just so much we could draw out of this chapter. But what I want to focus on today is this. Uh, last weekend, Danny kicked the series off, and, and if you didn't hear the message, we have uh, a free CD out at our, our info counter. Make sure you get that. But one of the things that Danny talked about a lot last weekend was the kingdom of God. And remember, when we hear kingdom of God, we should think rule and reign, 10 points. Rule, the rule and reign of God. And he talked about how the Bible literally is the story of how the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, is breaking into the kingdom of darkness. There's this rescuing work of God where he's rescuing people out of the kingdom of darkness into into his kingdom. And one of the things that Danny pointed out last weekend was that as his followers, we all have a part to play in that, that he's called us to be his witnesses. And uh, like a witness, if you remember last weekend, Danny talked about it's like a a witness on a witness stand where we, we literally... Uh, with our words, but more so with our actions, that we literally, the way we live our lives, the way we love each other, our marriages, uh, families, just think of all the relationships in your life at work, the way we spend our time or money, just all the stuff of life, that that can be a witness to the world, that we literally can live in such a way as to to communicate to the people around us that uh, the reality of God the goodness of God, the, you know, the mercy of God, the patience, the, the love that we have been called to be witnesses to this world. And, uh, you know, when you look in the Bible and, 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 if, and, and what we know from our own experience, or I'll speak for myself, from my, from my experience, is that I'm not a very good witness most of the time, right? That, that, that this thing that God has called us to uh, really is impossible on our, on our own. We need his help to do what he's called us to do this side of heaven. And last weekend, Danny read this verse out of Acts chapter one, uh, very familiar. Jesus said this to his followers in verse eight. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's lots of themes we could pull out of it, but what I wanna focus on today is this, and this is in your notes, that heavenly work Heavenly work requires heavenly power, right? Real simple, but so profound that heavenly work, the work that God has called us to, to be his witnesses, right? To live our lives in such a way as to point people to Jesus, that people would look at you and go, what is it about them, 
right? That they'd be drawn to Jesus through the way we live our lives. Heavenly work requires heavenly power. And the power is the, the Spirit of God literally coming down to live in us and to work in us and through us. And what uh, God wants to remind us today, remind us and, and encourage us about, that he knows that we can't do this on our own. Right? He knows that this is impossible for us. And, but he, there's this beautiful picture in uh, John 15 where, uh, where Jesus says, hey, don't forget, I am the vine and you are the branches. Like I look out at all of you and this room is filled with branches. And a branch on, it, on its own is, has nothing. Right? There's nothing, has nothing to give, but when it's connected to the vine, when, the, when all the, you know, I'm not a botanist, but uh, all the stuff from the vine, all the, I mean, all the life flowing from the vine, that that is the, the, the picture that God has for us. That's the design he has and that he's actually wired us for his power. He's wired us to, to receive from him and then be a witness to the world. So that's what we're going to look at today. Let's, let's pray. And, uh, and then we'll jump into Acts chapter 2. So Lord, uh, thank you so much for just each one that's here. And <coughs> thank you for uh, uh, just another opportunity to come together as a church. Lord, I pray for everyone, uh, visitors, just everyone, young, old, everyone that's here today, that you would come close. Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking a lot about you. And I pray that you would just be stirring all through the message today. Just come and do your work. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let me set the stage. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. You can uh, turn to that in your Bibles. And, and again, if, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the front and also at the back. Uh, but Acts chapter 2, let me set the stage. So uh, what we're going to talk and see in Acts chapter 2 is, this, is this, this word Pentecost. And Pentecost in the, in the Jewish calendar, it's one of the feasts that they had throughout the year. And really what uh, the word Pentecost, what it means is the 50th, like uh, uh, five zero. And what it's talking about is the 50 days between Passover, 50 days to Pentecost. And if you remember, Jesus was crucified on, on Friday, and it was the Friday right before Pentec uh, Passover started. And then uh, uh, he's resurrected on Sunday. And what we see in Acts chapter 1 is it talks about, from Passover, it talks about 40 days where Jesus, he's in his resurrected body, he's fully alive. And it actually says in Acts chapter 1, he's, you know, he's hanging out with all his followers, his disciples. And it says in Acts chapter 1, uh, convincing them that he really was alive. Right? It, took, it took 40 days. Right? If I was there, if he was at the table, I'd be walking up and touching him all the time. Like, are you really there? Like, I'd watch him eat. Is he swallowing it or is he just spitting it out? You know, it's like, but convincing them that he was alive. And so... You, you've got this 40 days, and then at the end of the 40 days, we see Jesus uh, ascending you know, up into the sky, which would have been so bizarre, but ascending up into the sky back to heaven. Now, can you imagine for his followers, for, for the disciples, the emotional roller coaster these people would have been on? I mean, just think of the disciples. It's like, uh, hey, Jesus, you know, we get to spend three years with you. Like, and, and you're literally blowing our minds. You're, you're turning our lives upside down in an amazing way. And, and they're literally, uh, you know, they're, they're falling in love with Jesus. They just love him. And, and when they finally get to the point where they're convinced uh, that he really is the son of God, that he really is who he said he is, and they're like, yes, we believe in you, and 
Now he's dying on a cross. And remember, we talked about this at Easter. He dies on the cross and the disciples are like, oh, it's over. You know, it was going so well. And oh, and they're just shattered. And then a few days later, what happens? Poof, he comes back to life and they go from being shattered to euphoria. Like, wow, he's alive. This guy's amazing. It's going to be great. And whoa, they're all excited. And then, you know, 40 days later, they're, they're standing out in the field and they're, and he starts to take up, you know, or lift up off the ground. And like, you got to be kidding me. And off he goes. Like, can you imagine what that would have been like? And now they have, you know, they don't know that it's coming in, in 10 days. But they have this 10 days. Can you imagine the doubts that these people would have gone through? Those 10 days when Jesus is gone between when he ascended and when, when we come to Pentecost. And before Jesus left... He gave his disciples these final instructions. And this is Acts 1, verse uh, 4. It says this. Jesus said to his followers, just before he left, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now that leads us to chapter 2. So let's keep reading. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We'll stop there. Now that sounds like just another weekend at BCDC, right? Uh, No, no, it doesn't. So number one in your notes is this, okay? Number one, God... As we're looking at this passage, God speaking in caps, right? And here's what I mean, right? Speaking in caps. So when you get a text or you get an email, what does it mean when someone speaks in caps? What are they, how are they talking to you? Shouting. Ten more points, whoever that was. God, when we look at Pentecost and we look at, or at the Holy Spirit coming down, God is shouting to his people. God is making a statement. And it's like he's... He's, he's coming on so strong because he's, he's basically going, I want you guys, my followers, I want you to have no doubt that what is happening right now, this, you know, the spirit falling, the wind, the fire, the, all the tongues, all that's going on, I want my, you guys to have no doubt that what's happening is what I promised. See, uh, the wind, the fire, the tongues, those things to, to his followers those would have been historical indicators, like, 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 like triggers, if you will. It's like, it's like if I say this to you, <clears throat> if I say, oh, they're throwing tea in the harbor, I know exactly where your minds would go. Where would they go? To Boston, right, Boston. <laughs> That's great. Ten more points. No, and if I say to you, and he chopped down the cherry, the cherry tree, your mind would go to, Right? So when the people that day, when they saw the wind, or you know, the, heard the winds, uh, saw the flames, the tongues, those were historical indicators where their minds would have gone to, ah, something's up. This is a move of God. See, in the Old Testament, wind, all throughout the Old Testament, we see wind being a sign of, of, of God both empowering and giving life. Right? What... We see the, the Hebrew word for wind is a word ruah, and it means uh, breath, wind, spirit. And all throughout the Old Testament, there are stories that these people would have been very familiar with, stories like Ezekiel, right? He's a prophet. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of press. Not a lot of people are having their quiet time in Ezekiel, 
But there's this bizarre story in Ezekiel where he's having this vision, and if you're familiar with the Valley of Dry Bones, where this guy's standing, you know, in this huge valley, and it's, it's just filled with all these dead, dry bones. And God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says this in Ezekiel 37. Then he said to me, God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. See, the, the, the sound of a violent wind, they, that would have been a, a trigger to them of, and, and a, would have triggered the memory of that, that, that something, something big is going on right now. And it's the same with the fire. All throughout the Old Testament, the fire was a sign of God's presence. And, and one, of the, you know, one of their heroes, uh, Moses, like the prophet Moses, I mean, when, they, when you talk about fire and all that they're going through at Pentecost, seeing these, you know, whatever it would have looked like, but these flames showing up on, on people's heads, they would have gone back to a very familiar story for us too, but very f- familiar for them was, remember when Moses, he's out, he's out in the desert with these sheep and he's walking around and he looks up on this mountain, Mount Horeb, and he sees this, this tree or this bush that's on fire, right? And he goes up there and what happens? It wasn't just any old fire. He literally comes face to face with God. And God is there. His presence is in this fire. Right? So when they hear that or they, or they saw the flames, the, the presence of fire would have shouted to these people the presence of God. God is here right now. And then finally, as the Holy Spirit is falling on the people, there's this, I mean, this is so bizarre, there's this, <clears throat> this eruption of tongues, or it may say in your Bible, languages. And again, <clears throat> This wouldn't have been lost on his followers. So many times through the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit falling on people. And what comes out of them is they erupt with this, you know, with prophecy. And and again, another familiar character for them, uh, Saul. uh, And the Saul I'm talking about is is the Saul who was soon to be uh, crowned the first king of Israel. There's a story where Saul in in, uh, 1 Samuel 10, he comes into the presence of these prophets and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on Saul and whoosh, he just starts prophesying and all this stuff starts coming out of him. Well, they would have been so familiar with that. And so everything that they were experiencing was indicating to them, God is up to something really big. God was speaking in caps. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this what happens every time the Holy Spirit falls on people? No. No, the answer is no. You just keep, if you just keep reading through Acts, what you'll see is that this was very unique. Again, God's speaking in caps. It's like a father leaning down to his little boy, his little girl, and you know, taking their face and saying, now you've got to look at, look at daddy. You know, read daddy's lips. What I'm saying right now is, is so important. You need to get this. You need to have no doubt that this is me because you know what? God knew what was right around the corner. Right, because if, you know, if you're familiar with, with Acts 2, that literally when the Holy Spirit falls and what's to come next is the birth of the church. And God's like, they need to get this. They need to know that this is me, that this is what I promised I would do. And, <clears throat> you know, tell me if, if, uh, if this makes sense. <clears throat> I'm convinced that the greater the task, the greater the activity of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? 
too good to tell them it does. When we, I remember when we were deciding whether or not to move to the U.S., this is like uh, uh, over 16 years ago, which is amazing, but that was a huge decision to pack up and move to this country we knew nothing about other than the movies. No, okay. But Canada's not that primitive. But, but literally, in trying to make this huge decision for, as a family, I could, no exaggeration, I could write a short book, if I threw in some pictures, I could write a short book documenting all the activity of the Holy Spirit, right? Literally dreams, prophetic words, prophetic words from people that knew us, people that didn't know us, bizarre visions, right? People miles and like thousands of miles away, I'm getting a call, I had this vision, like really bizarre things and like literally God was speaking to us in caps because, well, because he knows me and he loves me and he knows that I am so quick to doubt and so quick to question and it's so hard to make a decision, right? And, and what I find in that season, and even now, years later, when I get discouraged, when I uh, am bombarded with doubt, and I'm questioning so much, I go back to that season of my life. And I'm reminded of, of, God, of, the, of just of the, the, the clarity of God and the call of God, and I find it so encouraging. And here's, you know, let me just say this. Like, if you're here today, and you struggle with doubt, and I don't mean like, you know, for a couple hours in the afternoon, then you have your coffee, and hey, I'm, hey, I'm better. But I mean, if you, if you, you know, in your day-to-day living, there's just a constant sense of doubt. And what I mean is this, and you know, even in talking about the Holy Spirit and just uh, uh, the call of God, relationship with God, that there's just something inside of you that it's like what you feel is, yeah, they get it, they get it, they get it, but I don't get it. Right? Or they're in, they're in, they're in, but I'm not in. Right? If, 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 you, if that's what you feel, if that's what you live with, just like the people in this story, because they're just like us, right? God wants to come today and he wants to fall on you. He wants to fall on you with his Holy Spirit and he wants to, really the picture I have is he wants to love away. He wants to love away that doubt, that root that somehow is taken up you know, is growing in your gut. He wants to take that out. Because what, you know, the, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to constantly be reminding me that no, 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 you're his. No, 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 you're his son. No, 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 you're his daughter. So I just encourage you, when we, you know, when we end up today, just we would love to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would come on you. And you know what's amazing to me about the Holy Spirit? That sometimes when he comes on a person, he'll come with power, right? But sometimes he'll come with just, with incredible gentleness. But both both are him, both are, are, are the movement of the Holy Spirit and we, we do ourselves and we do the Holy Spirit such a disservice when we break this whole thing down, the, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, coming on people, when we break it down to a formula. And what I mean is this, that <clears throat> it's like, well, here's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to shake. You know, you have to speak in tongues. You have to fall on the floor and, you know, do the bacon or, you, you know, like you... Something weird or just bizarre has to happen. That's the evidence. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with all those things. And they may happen. And I'll be honest, I don't know about you, but I love when that happens. Because I am so encouraged. Like, wow, I think it's real. I think it's real, you know. But, But here's the thing. The true evidence of the Holy Spirit taking up residence in a person's life, the true evidence is a greater love for God and a greater love for others. I believe that 
It's a sign of the Spirit coming into a person's life. And what's amazing to me when I look at this story, you know, there's this massive outpouring and the Holy Spirit's coming down, all this crazy stuff going on. But in the midst of that, we see God, uh, uh, you know, weaving into that, that whole experience, weaving into it a reminder to his people what this power and all that's going on, what it's for. And, you know, Danny touched on this last weekend. Remember when he was saying how after Jesus was resurrected and they're like, man, this is awesome. You're back to life. You can do anything. Remember they come to Jesus and they go, like, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, are you going to do it? You're going to, you know, get some guns. We're going to do this now. And remember Danny talked about how one of the things of being human is our natural tendency is to be more uh, consumed by and, 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 and focused on our kingdom than we are on his kingdom. Remember that? It's just a natural part of being humans. And, and, but, you know, but the example of Jesus is just, it's the polar opposite to that. Right? Uh, one time talking about himself in Matthew 20, Jesus says this. He says, look, you guys, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in the midst of this incredible outpouring and all this power, all that's going on, God makes another statement about uh, reminding his people what it's for. And this leads to number two in your notes. Excuse me. And number two in your notes is this. God's gift is to be hoarded. No, no, it's to be, whoops, it's to be shared. God's gift is to be shared. Laurie, she's good on the, on the drawback there. Let's go back to the story. Verse five says this. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all, those who are, all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Dayton, Phrygia and Pamphylia, just seeing if you're listening, Egypt and the parts of Libya and your Cyrene, on and on, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. They're drunk. And we'll get to Peter's response in a second. But, you know, Pentecost was the, was the Jewish version of Thanksgiving, right? It's this gathering together where farmers are coming in. They're bringing their first fruits from their crops. And one of the things about Pentecost was it normally would fall right around sometime in June. And this feast, this gathering in Jerusalem would be uh, historically the most attended because the traveling conditions were the best. And so here... Again, I mean, God's timing is so amazing. The city is literally filled with people from all around the known world, right? And remember what Jesus said to his followers in Acts 1.8. He says, you know, you know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And as we see in Acts 2, this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his people, empowering his followers to be his witnesses, he has literally brought Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He's literally brought all those people to their doorstep. And, and uh, uh, what we see the Holy Spirit, uh, as the Holy Spirit is coming on his people, you know, and, and they're erupting with these tongues, they're saying things, they don't even know what they're saying. 
Like they're saying th- things that make no sense to them. But here's, here's God's statement in the midst of what's going on. It makes no sense to them, but to all those people hearing, you know, all these different languages, it makes total sense to them. Right? It's like, it's this reminder to his people, hey, this gift isn't just for you. This gift, you know, it's, it's for them too. I, what I'm giving you, it's to be shared. And, you know, so many times when God works through us, wouldn't you agree that lots of times it makes no sense to us? It could be a word. I mean, even what Bonnie shared today, she gets this song, you know, Tears of a Clown, and she's like, well, what is that? What does that mean? Well, I guarantee to people here today, that meant what she said made total sense to them. It was incredibly powerful, right? So many times it doesn't make sense to us, but it makes total sense to the person on the receiving end. Um, <clears throat> I have a friend back in Canada, just one, and, and she, was on a, she was on a flight and she's, you know, sitting on the plane, and I can't remember where they were going, but there was a woman beside her, and she, uh, this woman was from a country in Asia, I, uh, I, I don't remember where, but her English was, was limited, and so my friend was talking to her, and my friend's a real, <clears throat> she's very outspoken about her faith, and I know she would have been talking about Jesus, and at one point uh, in their conversation, she says to this woman, she said, well, could I pray for you right now? And the woman understood that, and she said, okay, and and so my friend, you know, being a good vineyard gal, she put her hand on her shoulder and, and she was just about to pray when she felt like God whispered in her ear, hey, don't pray in English, pray in the tongue I've given you, right? Uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit here, but you know, uh, there's a tongue, like a, like a prayer language, you, may, you know, where it's, it's a language that makes no sense to her, right? But she has this tongue and she's like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy, right? I'm not going to do that. And she felt like God said, no, if you're going to pray for her, I want you to pray in your tongue. And she goes, well, okay, I'll never see this woman again. <laughs> Might as well give it a try. And so she just closes her eyes and off she goes. And she prays. And she prays for, you know, I don't know how she long, long she prayed, but when she finally opened her eyes and looked at this woman, this woman had tears going down her cheeks. And after she prayed, she asked the woman, well, what was it? And the woman, again, with broken English, said, basically explained to her, you were telling me the story of Jesus in my native language. That's awesome. But what I guarantee is that what, what, for my friend, it made no sense to her. But it made total sense to the person on the receiving end. These gifts, there's so much, all the stuff that God is pouring into us, so much of it is, it's, yes, it encourages us, but so much of it, you know, is, is to be shared. It's to go out from us. And let me just quickly touch on tongues real quickly. There's so much we don't understand about it, but let me challenge you to this. Go home today and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, because here's what we do know about tongues. And again, this is really brief. One, tongues is a gift from God. It's not just some Pentecostal thing, right? It's a gift from God. Two, it can be either in a known language or an unknown language. We see that in 1 Corinthians those chapters I gave you. And then three, finally, like all gifts that God gives, tongues is meant to encourage others and to bring glory to God. So that's just a little snippet. And if you have other questions, uh, see Danny after the service. <clears throat> okay, so in the story, this is exactly what we see happening in Acts 2. Is you know, these, you know, God's people are, the Holy Spirit's on them, they're erupting with all these different languages. And, and what were they saying? Right? Was it judgment and condemnation? Was God sort of, you know, here's his chance to, 
You know, he's got all these people gathered. Now hear this, you people of the world. You know, it's like you had your chance, but you blew it. You think it's hot here? You know, it's like that's, <laughs> that's not what he was saying at all, right? What he was saying far from condemnation was invitation, right? What he was saying or what they heard them saying was we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And God's doing what he said he would do. He's empowering his people to be his witnesses. That's what they're doing. They're declaring the wonders of God. They're basically, they don't even know they're doing it, but they're basically shouting out to all these people, let me tell you what God is like. Let me tell you about his love. Let me tell you about his patience. Let me tell you about his wisdom. Let me tell you about, I mean, on and on and on. They're literally, uh, they're being his witnesses as the Holy Spirit empowers them. You know, I'm convinced that we see less of the Spirit's activity in and through us because we are so quick to turn inward, uh, to hold on to the blessings that, what, what he pours into us. It's like, I sort of have this picture of like you're like, if there's a house, you know, our internal homes, that for many of us, our homes are so cluttered. We have all this stuff inside that God has poured into us, but it's not for us. It's, it's to go through us. There's people that he, he's given us for. And, you know, I mean, what would it look like if we, if we followed the example of Jesus uh, and when, you know, at home, at work, at school, uh, just everywhere we went, what would it look like if we were mimickers of Jesus and we went into these situations as servants? We went in with an attitude not to be served, but to serve, right? I mean, there's a, we're so prone to go the opposite way. Uh, we can never hear this verse enough. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Can you imagine in a culture in a society where most of what we experience each day is get out of my way. You know, I'm, I'm just looking out for me. I'm, right, we're climbing all over each other to get to the top. I mean, that's, that's sort of, that's a generalization, but doesn't it feel like that in our culture? Can you th- imagine the impact? Can you imagine the witness? If just all of us here today left here and decided, you know what, when I go to work on Monday, when I go to wherever you go on Monday, that you went saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, you know, as the Spirit empowers me, I'm going to go as a servant. I'm, not, I'm going to go as one to serve and not to be served. Like that would be radical. Can you imagine the impact on your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood? Can you imagine that? And you know, again, you know, God's desire, this rescuing work he's doing on planet Earth, on Earth, uh, He's doing it through us. He wants to do it through us. And, and to me, I, you know, I sort of get the picture in my mind of like God is the ultimate father. And what I mean by that is he's just so patient with his kids. He'll take as long as it takes. Oh, no, no, you know, we're going we're gonna to fix this or we're going to do that. Oh, no, no, try again. I mean, when I was thinking about that, I thought, oh, I'm a massive failure as a father. Because I was like with my two boys, I'd be like, I'd give them like a minute. And if they didn't get it, here, let dad do it. Because I, I was so concerned to do it right and get it done. If You know, I want to be efficient. And, and I'm not even German. But, <clears throat> okay. But it's so important. This leads us, if you're German, we'll talk afterwards. I, uh, <laughs> but this leads us to number three in our notes. <clears throat> this is really important. Number three, this has always been God's plan. It's always been God's plan. And here's what I mean. 
to have a people, his own people, and to fill, him, to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to empower us to be witnesses, to do the work he's given us to do. This, it's so important that you hear this. It's always been his plan. It's not like God's going, man, I'm, I can't, you know, nothing seems to be working. What, let's try to come up with a new idea. Like just think before God created the heavens and the earth, before you and I even existed, his plan was to do his work through you. Right? Like everyone in this room, if you feel insignificant, let me, let me change that. Let me, let me tell, speak truth to you. Everyone in this room is crucial to this mission. Everyone is crucial to the mission. And that's always been his plan. It's not like, oh, we've got to figure something out. It's always been his plan. And that makes no sense to me. Because I'm like, wouldn't it be more effective if you just did it yourself? I mean, we'd be out of here. We'd be in heaven, you know, sitting by the pool. Or, you know, it's like, wouldn't it be more effective? But God has, it's always been his plan to invite you and I into the family business. And this is, this is prophesied through the Old Testament. Uh, Peter, in his response to the people, this is now back to Acts 2, verse 14 says this. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. The bars are closed. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he quotes Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. They will be my witnesses. They will, you know, they will live lives in such a way as to point people to me. And you know, we sit here today and we read that and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's us. That prophecy is about us. But the people hearing it that day, that you know, massive crowd from all these nations, they would have heard that and they would have gone, wait a minute. Wait a minute, this is radical what you're saying. That's not how God works. Right? God doesn't pour out his spirit on everybody. See, they were so familiar with all the stories in the Old Testament where you know, God would pour out his spirit on an individual for a task. Right? So we see, we see times in the Old Testament where God is... Uh, you know, there's a war and God's coming on a certain individual and they're just super, you know, Schwarzenegger all of a sudden and they're, they're filled with courage and they're out there doing this stuff or, or maybe it's wisdom to lead or wisdom in battle or, or how many times you see where the, you know, the, the spirit of God would come on someone and they would prophesy, they would literally speak on God's behalf. But what we see over and over and over in the Old Testament is that that indwelling of the Holy Spirit was temporary. Right, it's like the picture I get is it's like people were uh, <clears throat> power tools in God's hands. Right, so God has a task to do. We need to whoop on some Philistines. He picks up Samson, plugs him in. <laughs> right, and he just starts, <laughs> he just starts, you know, here's the jawbone of a donkey. And there goes Samson, right, if you're familiar. With, but, but when he was done, <laughs> and he would set Samson down. It was temporary. That's what they understood. That's how God works. And, and that's why you see David in Psalm 51, King David, he's praying to God and he's going, don't take your spirit from me. You've, 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 you know, you've, you've given me your spirit. You're giving me wisdom to lead these people. Don't take your spirit from me. And what we see in Acts chapter two is a game changer. Because now 
at Pentecost. I mean, God is turning the page. This is a new chapter in the way that God is working with his people. This is, this is a new move of God where God is pouring out his spirit on everyone. I mean, not just the elite, on everyone. That's you, that, that, that's me. And again, it, you know, uh, it just, we are all so crucial to this mission. Right, everyone, it's not just the elite, and, and there's no, you know, there's no, like, sort of levels of the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, we start, you know, it's like, well, you had a good quiet time today, so you are leveling up. You're at number two, right? It's like, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it's all of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, we believe that the Bible teaches that from the moment a person says yes to him, from the moment you say yes to Jesus, I don't understand, but I believe in you. And I want to follow you. From that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. Literally takes up residence, moves in. And, and unlike the Old Testament, he's there to stay. He doesn't leave. And then, then a good question would be, well, why is it then that we're always praying, come Holy Spirit? That's a really good question, right? Why are we saying that? Why are we saying, come Holy Spirit, when, when he's always there? Well, what we're, what we're praying or what we're asking for when we say, come Holy Spirit, is we're asking for the activity of the Holy Spirit. We're not asking for his presence. I mean, he's here right now. He's here right now. Right, in fact, the Bible says to us, you know, in this whole thing of come Holy Spirit, the Bible says we're to, like, we're to go after. I think it's Ephesians 5 where God encourages us as his people. You go after the Holy Spirit. You go after his activity, after his gifts. You, it's good to be greedy for that, right? And, uh, but when we say come Holy Spirit, we're saying come flex your muscle, right? Come and you were praying for someone. Come move on this person. Come you know, uh, uh, deliver them you know, or, or heal them or, or encourage them. But when we say come Holy Spirit, <clears throat> We're inviting his activity and his, uh, to work in the situation. You know, we need to be so careful uh, not to be put off by the ebbs and flows of the Spirit's activity in our lives. I don't know about you, but I, I think this is a fair assumption. We are so controlled by the way we feel. Right? I struggle with that every day. Right? And when we don't feel the activity of the Holy Spirit, where are we quick to go? Oh, well, he's gone. He's not there. But that's, that's not true. We have to be so careful to, to, to fight that battle. And see, I do think sometimes the Holy Spirit does feel distant, but it's not because he's left. It's because we're just ignoring him. Right? We're not following his lead. We're saying, hey, you got some power. Let me, here, bring that over here. Here's what I'd like you to do with it. And he's like, no, no, that's, that's not what this power is for. Right? It's not for your kingdom. It's, it's for God's kingdom. And what we see in Acts chapter 2 is God filling his people, filling him for the purpose of being his witnesses, being his light on planet earth, on the, you know, taking his light into dark places as you and I just go about our lives. And I, you know, one of the works of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is, is, a, is, is a reminder to us because we, don't, we, we live in a culture where, I mean, we don't write books about people who just faithfully get up and go to work each day and love their family and love their neighbor. Right? You don't see a lot of books about that. It's about the, that .003% of people who do these amazing things. But I believe one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to remind us and to, and to encourage us that, that uh, really the important things in life are those little things. 
the things that we just see as mundane. Like when I get up and make a cup of tea for my wife, it's like I have how many thousands, you know, like, like uh, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense to me. But what I mean is the way our relationships, the way we treat one another, the way you treat your neighbor, the way you treat the people that work with that, that God wants to empower us to literally shine Jesus to this world, right? Uh, this, Matthew 5, 16 says this, and I'll end with this. You are the light of the world. That's Jesus speaking to us. This is a dark place. Don't forget, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit in us is that light that shines. It's that light that shines. And again, just to remind us today that God has given us the heavenly power we need to do this heavenly work that he's given us. So why don't we we stand up? Here's how we're going to end off. Uh, let's just quiet ourselves and, and uh, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. Now, am I inviting him because he's not here? No. We're inviting his activity. We're inviting him to come and just start stirring in the room and stirring in hearts. So let's just, you know, if it helps to close your eyes, let's close our eyes. <clears throat> so Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come. The same Holy Spirit who fell at Pentecost, who just, who just wonderfully blew up this group of people. And, and, and from that birthed the church, from that just birth, uh, uh, empowered all these people that just went everywhere, went everywhere as your witnesses. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. The same Spirit. Come and fall on us today. Come bring your activity. Come flex your muscle today. I just pray, just come, Lord, fill this room with your presence. Just overwhelm us with you right now. Just come, Lord. Just come show us what you want to do. Just come, Lord. I just get a sense there's some people right now I just uh, I just see the Lord leaning up from, like sort of standing behind you leaning up beside your ear and just whispering I know you I know you and whether you you know you don't believe in him or you doubt God or just what I, I feel like he is just and it's not condemning it's an invitation he's just leaning into you right now and he's saying I know you Lord, just come Holy Spirit, bring your activity. We welcome all of you. Here's here's what I want to do to end off. One is, I don't want to forget, when I talked about doubt, if you have a constant sort of sense of doubt, we want to pray for you because God wants to uh, uh, just overwhelm you with his love and his presence. And love away that, that sense of doubt. And so if that's you, we want to, uh, you know, I'm going to call you forward in just a sec. 
but also I had this, <clears throat> I had this picture of, and I'm not an electrician uh, at all, but I had this uh, picture, I saw a person standing there and it's like, remember the, what, like the game operation or, you know, uh, for some of you, <laughs> kids, what? Is that, a, is that an Xbox? No, I don't think it is. Well, maybe it is. But I saw this person like this and there was all this wiring, electrical wire, you know, and there are all these circuits and stuff going on. And there was this, there was, there were two wires that were crossed and it was to do with faith and feelings. That when I talked about being controlled by your feelings, that literally your feelings control you. What you feel or don't feel sucks your faith out of you like that. And I just saw the Lord reaching in and, and he had safety gloves on. He's very safe. No, but he, I just saw him reaching in and he just went, you know, and he, he, he rewired you so that, what, that your, so that your feelings would no longer control you. And that what would control you is him, the spirit of God inside of you. So if that's you, we would love to pray for you. Um, Penny, anything? Yeah, I can see it. She's doing this. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Um, no, I felt like as Michael was talking about spiritual gifts, that the Lord wanted to release some spiritual gifts, mm. especially the two that he mentioned, the gift of tongues and, and prophecy. And so I want to encourage you, you know, sometimes you say, you see those gifts for the spiritual people or yeah. the big giants, but the Lord's saying, no, it's for you. Yeah. It's for you. And so I want to encourage you to come forward, maybe come over here to my right. And, and some of you that have those gifts could come and lay hands on people just to receive those gifts today. Okay, we've got a few minutes left. Any of those words for spiritual gifts, again, over to this side of the room. But for anything else, just that, that uh, uh, struggle with doubt or, or that God rewiring you, the whole thing of faith and feelings, feelings just come forward now. We're going to pray for you. Uh, and again, as people come forward, let's make sure people are praying for them. But just come on up. We'll end with a song, and then we'll wrap up the service. So just come on up. And again, as people come forward, let's make sure we've got people praying, guys for guys, gals for gals. Just bless what God's pouring out on them.
like the song says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We welcome all that you're doing, all the, all the ways you're moving in people's lives right now. We just bless that and we welcome that. And, and I pray this week, as we, you know, even as we leave today, that you would, uh, every day and all throughout the day, you'd remind us again that you have wired us, uh, you have wired us to, to run on your power. You've wired us to be filled with you and, and, and to live from that place, from that source. Lord, I pray for lots of opportunities this week to be witnesses, to be your witnesses. Whether it's with words or actions, lots of opportunities just to, to serve, to give, to, to, uh, just to point people to you in the, the way we live our lives. But again, we'd ask that you would fill us uh, and empower us to do that. Thank you for your presence. Thanks again for uh, just all that you're doing. Uh, thanks for today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>